Hey everyone, and welcome to Theana Money, where we seek to help the good man leave an inheritance to his children's children. This is Jeremy Collins, the host of Theana Money. This week, I want to discuss an important principle in saving money and how some things we do to save money may actually cost us more money in the long run. But before we jump into that, I want to take a moment to ask you all that If you like Theana Money and haven't subscribed already, please subscribe to the podcast, turn on the auto-download so you don't miss future episodes, and please tell your friends about the podcast. Uh, Text them a link to it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to it, and just say, like, hey, I think this is a podcast that you'd like, or this specific episode of one is one I think you'd like, or even one you think they disagree with and you want to hear their thoughts on, and maybe they even want to come on with me and talk about their disagreements. Uh, But anyways, if you could do that, that would be great and help get the message out there of what God's law has to say about our lives today and especially what God's law has to say about our economics today. So back to the topic. As Christians, we want to steward our resources well. No one in their right mind wants to just waste their money. They want to use it well. They want to get as high quality of a good or service as possible for the cheapest price possible. As Christians, we not only want to do that to save money, but also to honor God by taking care of the resources he has given us. So we have twice the reasoning to be good stewards as unbelievers. We have that double bottom line there. And sometimes we buy a cheaper product in order to use our resources well. Oftentimes we do that. You don't need the best of everything, and if the best of the best is outside of your price range, you could be stewarding your resources poorly, perhaps even sinfully, by purchasing that over something cheaper. If you need a new truck and you're never going to pull something with it that an F-150 couldn't handle, then you'd probably be wasting your money by buying an F-350 just because you have to get you know, the best out there. I don't want a 150. I want to spend the extra cost to get a 350, even though I'll never need the extra tow capacity the 350 has that the 150 has. That would be an example of where you're probably uh, stewarding your resources poorly and you could get the cheaper option and it'd work perfectly just as well. But sometimes buying something cheaper actually costs us more money in the long run. And that can also be, and often is, stewarding our resources poorly to buy something cheaper than in the long run actually costs us more money. What I mean by that is sometimes the more expensive alternative is of such better quality that it lasts much longer than the cheaper alternative. Sometimes buying cheaper is better because the more expensive product is just a bigger name and not much more than that. The quality isn't any better, or if it is, it's very minimally better. Other times, paying more for something is a better long-term investment. 
And I don't think I need to convince people of the former one. We've all walked down the cereal aisle at the grocery store and saw the off-brand cereal that's exactly the same as the name brand, but half the price. Like, honestly, is there an actual difference between the off-brand and the name brand cereal? If there is, it isn't much. That's an example of something that is cheaper and does actually save you money by purchasing it. But other times, like I said, buying something cheaper actually costs you more money in the long run. How does that work? Because sometimes the cheaper good is so much worse quality that it wears out much faster than the more expensive one. So rather than look at the initial cost alone, consider the value it gives you and how long it might last. Let's look at some numbers to get a better grasp of this. These are made up numbers, but I tried to make them quite realistic. So that way we can try to get some pretty close to real world examples with fake numbers. First, let's look at shoes. You can buy a pair of Walmart shoes for 20 bucks, but maybe they need to be replaced in four months. That comes out to $5 per month for those shoes. Or you buy a nicer pair of shoes, one that costs $100. But these shoes are much higher quality than the Walmart ones and they last two years. That comes out to $4.17 per month for those shoes. So that is nearly a dollar per month cheaper than the Walmart shoes, even though the initial cost is five times the cost of the Walmart shoes. Or let's take it up a notch and let's look at a pair of high quality $300 boots that last seven years. That comes out to $3.57 per month. We dropped our per month cost by 60 cents from the $100 pair of shoes. So the higher upfront costs of a pair of expensive but high quality shoes can save money in the long run because they last much longer than the cheaper shoes do that the cost over time is actually less. But there's another thing to consider here. What work are you doing? Will you need to replace your boots every year, no matter how quality they are, because your work is with a brace of products that wear them out quickly no matter what? If that's the case, then buying the expensive boots won't save you any in the long run over a cheaper pair of boots because they don't last any longer, or at least not enough longer to justify the cost. In this instance, the Higher quality shoes are actually more expensive over time because they don't last long enough over the other pair to you know, save you that money over time. When my dad used to deliver gasoline for a living, this was his situation. He could buy the expensive Red Wings boots or he could buy the cheaper boots from Sears when that place was still around. But both would wear out within a year because gasoline is so corrosive to rubber so what was the point of buying the more expensive boots? Unless there's some sort of practical effect, some sort of practical benefit from them other than the lifespan, then there really wasn't a point to buying the more expensive boots. Or let's use another practical example, buying furniture. You could buy an $800 wood frame couch and it lasts eight years. That comes out to $100 per year or $8.33 per month. 
Or let's say you purchased a $1,600 steel frame couch and it lasts 20 years. That breaks down to $800 per year or $6.67 per month. Hey, Future Jeremy here. Somehow when I was saying that, I accidentally added an extra zero and said $800 per year. It's $80 per year. That's what I had in my notes for this episode. I just somehow, when I said it, accidentally added an extra zero. So $1,600 couch that lasts 20 years comes out to $80 per year, not $800 per year. Anyways, back to the episode. Though this couch is double the price at the start of the other one, over its lifespan, it saves you $20 per year and also the time of purchasing and picking up or having delivered only one couch over the course of 16 years, not two couches over that same time span. And with this, just like with the last one, and like with most things in life, there are other things to take into consideration. If you have some young children and think a couch will get wrecked no matter how durable it is, maybe marker on the fabric if not damage to the frame, then maybe that cheaper wooden frame couch is better for you to get you through when your kids are young and then buy the better, higher quality, more expensive couch later when the kids are older and less likely to damage furniture. I'm also saying this as someone whose wife is pregnant with our first child, so maybe older kids wreck couches just as often as younger kids do. I don't know. Ask me again in 15 years. I want to make sure that you all aren't hearing this and thinking that I always support buying the more expensive option though. Sometimes that more expensive option isn't actually better. Like I mentioned a few minutes ago, pretty much the same thing. Sometimes it's just more expensive because it has the name recognition that the random competitor doesn't. You as the consumer don't know that these two products, one 20% more expensive than the other, are virtually identical You just know that the one has a good name on it and the other has a name you've never heard of before. So maybe the other brand is significantly worse and that's why it's so cheaper. Sometimes that is the case and sometimes that brand really is better. Sometimes they are virtually identical in quality and value and other times the brand name actually is quite a bit better. This is one of many reasons why being wise with our money is so difficult. We have to do our homework and be discerning because sometimes the more expensive alternative is a better deal in the long run, and sometimes the two options are of similar or the same quality, even though the one costs a lot more than the other. Depending on your financial situation, one might be better than the other in the long run, but you need to buy the cheaper one right now. Take the couches I mentioned a bit ago. Maybe you can barely afford the cheaper couches, let alone the better but more expensive ones. So you buy the cheaper ones and then you set aside 10 or $20 every month until this cheaper set of couches needs to be replaced. So then at this point, several years down the road, you can buy the more expensive ones then. And that makes sense. I wouldn't blame someone for making that decision based on his or her current economic situation. Sometimes we need to buy the cheaper one knowing in the long run it's not as good just to 
get us through a time when money is tight so that way we can buy the better option next time when this one wears out. So now that we've looked at this concept, maybe given you some practical ways you can apply it to your life, let's also apply it to business. If you're a business owner yourself, then maybe this entire episode will be great to you, first half and second half. If you're thinking about going into business, same thing. And if you're not thinking about going to business, that doesn't mean you can tune it out and never listen to the second half. I think you should still listen to it. It'll help you understand how business owners think. And who knows, maybe one day you'll start a side hustle to make some extra income or maybe even quit your job and go full time in your own business. And principles like this will be helpful for you. So applying this concept we've looked at so far in this episode to business, maybe you've heard the expression before. You got to spend money to make money. You've got to spend money to make money. Rare is the business that requires no initial monetary input in order to start. Before the digital age, this was probably only possible if the materials needed to start the business were things you already had in your possession. You know, maybe you're going to start a, I don't know, a business making some stuff out of wood and you have a lot of uh, wood left over from a project you did a while back and you're able to use that wood, make some money off selling whatever you build with it and then buy the other stuff down the road. But usually that's not the case. Usually when you start a business, you got to put some money up front to get going to buy the supplies you need and things like that. Now in the digital age, this is possible more often than it used to be to uh, start a business with no financial cost at the very beginning because now people are able to do online businesses with just their computers, something most people already have at least one of, and if not, you can get free access to computers at a local library. But usually you have to buy something in order to sell a good or service to make money. I have a buddy that cuts down trees and sometimes he mills the trees into lumber or chops it into firewood to make some extra income. Especially in the winter when not as many people are trying to get trees cut down, but more people want firewood because you gotta admit, it is really nice to sit down beside a fireplace on a winter's night with a book and some hot chocolate or whiskey or some other thing you enjoy to drink. So all of his equipment to do that work plus his equipment to do the hardscapes and the landscaping he sometimes does as well, probably cost him like a million dollars or more for all this equipment he uses. That's a lot of money. But without the equipment, he either, depending on which piece of equipment we're talking about, he either couldn't do his job at all, or he still could, but it'd be a lot more difficult and more costly both in time, both in terms of time and labor. Labor also being a monetary cost because some of his equipment helps him not need to hire as many people to help him. So he had to spend all of this money, some completely up front, some equipment paid for over time on credit, and some he just had to do without until he could afford to purchase it or maybe deal with a not as good one up front and eventually over time buy a better one that is more helpful. But he had to do this in order to have the successful business he has today. Or let's use an example with a different type of business, trucking. If y'all have been listening for a while, you probably know I like examples with this industry because I 
know a lot about it since my dad and brother are both truck drivers. So let's pretend I'm a truck driver with a dozen or more years of experience and a good record and I'm looking for a new job. Since I said I have a good record, I guess this means I just moved or my last employer went under or something like that. Not that I got fired for messing up. Or maybe these days I got let go for not taking Joe's cookies, formerly known as Trump treats. Anyways, related to this topic of different options and the one that costs less right now is not always the one that costs less in the long term, I have various options as a truck driver looking for a new job. I could become a company driver. If you aren't familiar with trucking, being a company driver is when you drive for another company and you don't own your own semi, they do. Since the company provides the tractor trailer, I have little to no input into this occupation that would cost me money, just my years of experience driving for other companies. Or I could be an owner-operator. With this approach, I still drive for a company, but I have to provide my own truck as well as fix it when things go wrong on it instead of the company paying to fix the truck like they would if I was a company driver and they own the truck I drive. With this method, I have the added initial cost of purchasing a semi-tractor or leasing one from the company I drive for, or maybe leasing one from another company that leases out semis. Plus, I have to pay for repairs on it, not to mention the lost work of not being able to drive a truck while it's in the shop. But if I am willing to pay that money and take those risks, this can make me a lot of money down the road because owner-operators usually make more money than company drivers, often enough to compensate for the expenses with my truck and make some extra money on top of that. Plus, as an owner-operator, I can probably, depending on the company, do a lot more of setting my own schedule than a company driver is able to do. Uh, notice I said uh, owner-operators usually make more money than company drivers. I wouldn't have added that caveat usually, but um, with the interesting, changing, super high fuel cost economy we have right now, the trucking industry is seeing some weird things that it hasn't seen before. And there have actually been some times with in the recent future where company drivers were making more than owner-operators, which is just crazy and kind of goes against the entire concept of being an owner-operator truck driver. But I don't know. Um, build back better, great reset stuff's doing weird things to the economy. Or a third option, I could start my own transport company. This has the highest initial monetary cost and the most risk, but also can have the highest economic return. If I go this route, I have to start my own company. Depending on the state you live in, filing to start an LLC can actually be pretty quick, simple, and cheap. Uh, but depending on what type of company you start and your specific state's rules, that can be more or less difficult and timely and costly. Then I have to go get a truck and semi-tractors aren't cheap, not to mention I also need a trailer with it, maybe several trailers depending on different types of thing I expect to be hauling. So once I have a semi, I have to get a 
dot number, a DOT number, in order to drive it for my company. And I have to have insurance on the truck in order to get that DOT number. So first I have to get that very expensive semi-insurance. Because if you're a semi-driver driving your truck to make yourself money as a transport company, that insurance is expensive and you have to have that insurance before you can get your DOT number and you can't take a single run until you have your DOT number. So it all just really adds up if you want to start your own trucking company, just doing this by yourself, yourself being the only driver. And then once I do all that and I actually start getting runs, I've now spent in the tens of thousands of dollars, but I can actually start taking on jobs now and Unfortunately, many of these jobs are net 30 or net 45 or an amount of time similar to that, which means they have that long, 30 days or 45 days, to pay the invoice once I have delivered whatever they were paying me to deliver. And so all of these expensive costs I was talking about, like getting the semi, getting insurance on it, and in order to get my DOT number to start taking loads... It's not like I can just throw that on my credit card and have it paid off by the end of the cycle when by the time I'm a month later finally able to take my first load, it's another month before I even get paid. So I either have to uh, pay it all off with money that I had in the bank or have uh, some sort of loan and try to pay that loan off pretty quickly so I don't get hit with a lot of uh, interest fees on it and things like that. And now there are some jobs that actually pay you like the day after you deliver. Maybe they take a few days, but they pay you really quickly, not net 30, not net 45, not things like that. But those usually tend to pay less than the net 30 or net 45 jobs. Uh, so there are a lot of costs there that will take some time to recoup, which makes it really difficult if I have to take on credit instead of having all of the money up front to pay for all of this. And a side note, those jobs that pay less, but you get your money within a few days instead of a number of weeks, from what my brother showed me a couple years ago, they are often, or at least sometimes, not the company you are driving for, but a third-party company working as a middleman between you and the company you're delivering for. This uh, middleman company gets you the money nearly immediately to pay you for your delivery, but... They actually pay you out of money they had on hand and then the company for which you did the delivery pays this company instead of you several weeks later when they pay the invoice. Think of it this way. You find a job that will have you drive a thousand miles and pays two dollars per mile and then you find your couple other runs here or there to try to get you back home in a way that will actually get you paid by having runs on your way back home and not driving back to your house on your own dime. But let's forget about all of those and focus on this initial run, 1,000 miles, $2 per mile. You need that 2K really fast because you have a bill coming up and you don't have enough cash in the bank to cover it. So you can't wait the 30 or more days it normally is. And all of your other payments for loads you've recently done have either already come in or they're not gonna come in soon enough to pay this bill in time. So you have this company pay you the next day or at least within a few days of delivery when the uh, 2K invoice comes due, then that company gets paid instead of you. They had already paid you for doing the delivery. 
But as part of their fee, this middleman company doesn't give you the full 2K. He charges a fee. So maybe he only pays you $1,900. And then he gets to pocket the other $100 when he gets paid the 2K for your delivery fee from the other company. Um, And so this is actually, honestly, I think a pretty great way to make money. That $100 fee out of the 2K total was made up. I don't really know how realistic that number is, but let's say it's pretty close to reality. This could be a pretty good way for people to make money. Takes a lot of upfront costs. Maybe you have to have 100K or more in the bank just to be able to do things like this, floating people for 30 days or longer between when you pay them and when the company they did the job for pays you. But if you're making a hundred bucks, 200 bucks a pop every time you do one of these and you can try to get several of them a day, be a pretty good way to make a lot of money. I'd definitely be interested in doing something like that if I had the money in the bank to be able to do a job like that, but I have nowhere near the amount of money it would take to do something like this. And also we can take this whole thing I'm doing here about these different options with starting a new job as a trucker and which ones cost more money now but possibly make more money in the future. Uh, We can actually take a step back into that and apply the principle of this episode within the example where we were already applying the principle of this episode. Basically, I'm doing inception with economic examples here. When you're looking at that semi that you buy to start your own company, you actually have different examples here. So within the principle, we have another principle inside of it. You can cut corners and buy a used semi to save some money right now, but there is a high risk with that and it could easily backfire on you. Sure, you can find a 2004 sleeper cab semi-tractor. For those not familiar with the industry, a sleeper cab is a semi with a longer cab that has a bed in it. So you can do runs that will bring you away from home overnight and have a place to sleep without having to purchase a hotel room. You just sleep in the semi in the bed behind the driver's seat. So sure, you can find a 2004 sleeper cab with well over half a million miles on it for only 10 grand. But how often will that truck be in the shop because things are starting to go out on it and it's wearing down with age and things like that? And also, will it need any work before you even make your first run on it? Are you going to buy that 10K truck and then put 5K into fixing it up before you can even take your first load with it? Or you can look at brand new sleeper cab semis. A brand new Mack or Kenworth truck will easily cost you over 100K. But it will probably have way better fuel economy than that 2004 one. And if you're a truck driver, better fuel economy adds up. When we're talking about something like six miles per gallon on a 20-year-old truck versus eight or nine miles per gallon on a brand new truck. And remember, diesel is more expensive than gasoline. So that extra two or three miles per gallon, that when we're talking about such low fuel economy is like a 50% increase, that extra two or three miles per gallon, that 50% increase adds up to in the thousands of dollars very quickly. Uh, So that newer truck, that though it's so many times more expensive, more than tenfold more expensive, has better fuel economy. And because it's brand new, it shouldn't need any work on it for a while to come. And even when it does come to getting some work done, it's probably just 
routine maintenance, not major repairs. You're not going to have major repairs for a while in a brand new truck. Most likely, no guarantees. This is a fallen world. Things have issues, recalls, all that. But in the long run, so looking at these two options, in the long run, will that 10K, nearly 20-year-old truck really save you any money? Now, we can also bring up the point of buying a cheaper product, even though it's not as good as the of a long-term investment, in order to save up towards the better product that is more expensive, but a better long-term investment. Like we talked about buying that cheaper couch to save up money bit by bit and get the better couch when the cheaper one breaks down. So maybe you buy a cheaper semi right now and you put a bit of money aside from every load to save up for a much better, more quality, newer semi several years from now. And maybe you decide that you won't get the old sleeper cab that's only 10K, but probably not in great shape. You get a somewhat newer semi with fewer miles on it. Maybe a semi that costs 30K, not 10K. Or maybe one even better than the 30K one. It's still a used semi, still probably has a couple hundred thousand miles on it, but it's 40 or 50K and it's in way better shape than that 2004 one that was 10K. This one's maybe a 2016 truck with half the miles on it of that 2004 one. And so you're betting that spending five times as much will mean this will be in the shop much less, probably has better fuel economy, things like that. Uh, This is all just you as a business person or a potential business person, if you're thinking about doing this, doing the research into it and looking at initial input versus you know, cost down the road, maintenance, repairs, fuel economy, other things like that. And then there's also doing research on the seller. Maybe this guy is trying to sell a truck for 50K, but this other guy is selling one just as good for 40K because the first guy's just trying to rip people off. Or maybe the second guy doesn't know this truck's actually in better condition than he thinks it is and he's actually undervaluing it. You know, there's a lot of things that can go into it. But also, it's a used vehicle. So knowing what you're getting into can be nearly impossible until you've already purchased a used vehicle and had it for a while because you just never know with used vehicles. And maybe the guy selling isn't even trying to rip you off. He he doesn't know that this thing or that thing is going to 2,000 miles from now go out. He doesn't know the future. But all that to say, there's a lot of research that goes into these various different things. Uh, So to summarize, to conclude this episode, buying the cheapest good or service is actually, if not often, more expensive in the long term. Sure, there are things like we mentioned cereal. The off-brand cereal is probably just as good as the name brand and half the price. But we're not talking about cereal. We're talking about other things. And many times with other things, the cheapest option just isn't as good quality. It wears out a lot faster. And in the long term, it might actually cost you more money. Uh, So sometimes the better one, the more expensive one, isn't actually better. It's just more expensive. It just has a higher price tag because of the name on the brand, because of that brand recognition or for some other reason. But sometimes that uh, the more expensive one is a lot better and it is well worth the extra initial cost if you're able to afford it because it will save you money down the road from buying the cheaper one. So stewarding our resources well requires a lot of work in order to get the most out of our money. 
And that's basically what I want to talk about in this episode and just encourage you all to think about ways that maybe you had previously thought of saving money that actually wasn't really saving you any money and to give a little bit more thought to saving yourself some money and trying to honor God by stewarding the resources he has given you even better. So that was this week's episode of Theana Money. As we go, I want to remind everyone that the law of the Lord is perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true. So go apply that law in light of the gospel of Christ's atoning death and resurrection to every area of life. Grace and peace, friends. Satisfies me Your law is sweet Oh you